Sith Lords are our speciality. Hello, welcome to the Weekly Song Podcast. My name is Roger Heathers. This is episode 88. Um, with me, as always, is my co-host, Declan Kitchener. How are you, Declan? I'm, I'm fine, thank you. I'm buoyant and full of energy and uh, full of positive feelings because instead of having a lame old glass of water or a moderately okay glass of pop, I have a cup of coffee. Yes, yes. This is the Weekly Song Podcast standard. When we both have coffee, we both we get caffeinated and oh, we drink our coffee too strong i think at least we used to you know back in the day i'm definitely drinking this coffee too strong <laughs> i um i recently had a birthday and um uh somebody i'm mentioning in this episode actually my stepsister amy she got me this big box of um of beanies coffee you ever had that before it's flavored stuff no i have not well, What's they're our like? new sponsor. <laughs> <I'm joking. laughs> if I, only. It's really good. They do like different flavors. Like, um, I got um birthday cake flavor. I got vanilla, gingerbread, all these different like kind of sweet flavors. But it's not like syrup. It's actually mixed into the coffee granules themselves. I think I've had something similar. Someone at work brought in hazelnut flavored coffee, which is quite nice. Mmm, that sounds good. Sounds really good. Um. Anyway. We're not a coffee podcast, oddly enough. We are actually a songwriting podcast. Roger, what do we do every single week? On this podcast, every single week, what Declan and I do um, is we both write a song from scratch. And we bring it to this show and we talk about how we wrote that song. We talk about the lyrics and the chords and the inspirations and just basically how we're trying to progress as songwriters. And hopefully that will help you as a listener, you know, um, improve your own songwriting craft. And if you're already um, great at it, you can just laugh at us trying to learn. It's <laughs> yes. something for everybody. That's the thing. That's the thing. Um, and I, it's my f- time to go first this week. Um, and I want to just say, I won't go into any detail, but obviously because we pre-record our songs for each other to hear because we record remotely because of the COVID thing, um, we have two very different songs to show you today. They are on opposite <laughs> ends of certain spectrums, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Yes, um, very much a yang and a yin um, on this on this show today. Um, okay, so uh, so this is my song this week, and it's called uh, "Paralyzed for Summer." Hooray! <laughs> Paralysis. Well, if I tried to tell a joke, tell a joke, tell a joke. If I tried to make a play, make a play, make a play. You could shoot me where I stand. Where I stand. Because you've caught me on a day Where the grass is nice and clean And the sun is shining If I wasn't paralyzed for summer If I see you on the way If you try to catch my eye If you catch me with a smile I've a feeling that I'd say that your eyes are blue or green or auburn colored. If I wasn't paralyzed for summer. I 
outside to rescue her. Every night, I turn and walk away. I see that I'm a lonely creature, a robot, mechanical and gray. What can I say? Okay, so that's so lovely. That's amazing. What the fuck is it about? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. It's it's a bit of a well. Okay, I'll start by saying this. It falls into the category which my songs do sometimes of um, almost like a short poem type of a song, rather than like a full thing you'd include in like a an album proper. Um, I've had other songs in the past. I've got this song called um, "The Wound." And I've got a few others which are just like short little like minute and a half pieces of music, which I don't know, it's, kind of, yeah. It's kind of like if you're watching a play, like if you had like a quick one minute dialogue scene while actors are getting prepared for like some sort of big spectacle backstage or something. It's like, OK, have this while we're just prepping for the next thing. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's just a little bit of a filler. And also it's, um, it's kind of an excuse in a way, I suppose, because um, I... I found it difficult to write this week, you know. I, I kind of got a few different ideas, but nothing would really piece together. So one thing that you'll notice about this song is that it has the sort of very upbeat, jaunty first half, and then it has a very definite second half where even the tempo changes. I mean, it's, the key stays the same, but the tempo changes, and it just goes down to one vocal for the... Um, I wait outside and rescue her every night. That part's so different from the beginning. Can I just say, jumping yeah. slightly ahead, but I like how that sort of lyrically helps redefine the first bit, because the first bit, you've sort of got the whole... Um, uh, if I uh, sang or made a joke or made a play or something, you could shoot me down and you think, wow, that's harsh. Um, but then it, you get to the second part and it goes like, I'm a grey creature, I'm a robot, and everything. It's like... Oh, okay, we're just preventing Skynet. This makes sense. I see. <laughs> right. Suddenly, the, that guy who was going to shoot you is a hero. Only you could get it, that from that, and I love you for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, it's, it's a very different second half, and, it's, um, and it does kind of inform the first half, actually. Yeah, I think, uh, in a way... Okay, so um, you asked what it's about first, so I'll, I'll talk about the lyrics a little bit first. So this all started with a conversation um, I had when my stepsister Amy came over to hang out, and we were just bullshitting and talking this and that, and then we were watching some film, and uh, in fact, no, we were watching uh, Being John Malkovich. You ever seen that? Yes, I have. That's a good film. Really good film, isn't it? It was my first time seeing it like properly. I'd seen clips, but, but well, anyway. Interesting thing. Mm. The reason it's John Malkovich isn't because of any, like... Uh, love or hatred of the actor it's literally just because his name is the one that they found was the stayed funniest the more and more they said it i was wondering why it's him i was thinking like is he the only actor they could get through his agent or something like that but that makes more sense yeah like it's just a funny name to keep saying yeah and um and so in being john malkovich um for those of you who haven't seen it uh it's quite hard to describe because it's so surreal. But there is this um, tunnel you can crawl down in an office um, building. It's like halfway between two floors or something. Yeah, the ceiling's really low, isn't it? Yeah. And um, so you can climb down this tunnel and you become or you, you occupy the consciousness of John Malkovich, the actor. 
um, which is a really very strange thing in itself. And I just said to Amy while we were watching this film, I said, isn't it funny that if somebody could jump into your life, um, you know, for 15 minutes, what would they change immediately because of, you know, how they live and what their lifestyle's like? So I was thinking like, yeah, you know, I'm sat here on the sofa. I got, you know, Dorito crumbs on my T-shirt. And I wonder if somebody just you know, like that, occupied my body or my consciousness and went, oh, Jesus, oh, I'm a fucking mess, you know, let me get rid of this, let me tidy up over here and let me kind of like, oh, man, I'm a little bit out of shape and, you know, all these different things. This is a theme we will return to. Spoilers, but... <laughs> I suppose subconsciously it's a little bit influenced by um, your song last week, kind of like making a laundry list of things you would like, you know, to improve. And um, so I looked at that in myself, but I looked at it from this slightly different angle because I've been reading... Um, I've been reading this book recently called In Search of the Miraculous, um, and I won't go into detail, but it's a very interesting book, and it looks at kind of that question of if if you had, like, actual control over yourself, what would you change? Because I feel like we're so stuck in, in a series of habits and all this sort of thing and, um, and, and you know, negative habits, and what would we do if we could just kind of not be a robot um, for the day um, and actually kind of sort ourselves out to some extent? Um, so it's just asking the question in like kind of painting a snapshot of if I wasn't so uh, stuck in my ways, what could I do? So it's like if I tried to tell a joke, because sometimes I can be funny when I'm feeling like, well, not funny, maybe not, I shouldn't say that, that sounds big-headed, but I can be humorous or whatever and join in with conversation when I'm relaxed, but when I'm feeling nervous, I can't really do it. So imagine if in any circumstances I could try to tell a joke or I could try to make a play, I could try all these things. And it's basically saying... Um, uh, kind of like, you know, you could you could end my life on that day and I'd be truly happy if I had that type of freedom. That's what it's saying. It sounds kind of dark when it says, you could shoot me where I stand. Because <laughs> <laughs> you did it on a sunny day. Yeah. Can I and, just say, yeah. I love how recently we've been both been coming up with these songs are like, oh, if we weren't so old and stuck in our ways and like if we hadn't formed all these bad habits when we both reached the grand old uh, time period that is our late 20s. We're <laughs> old and past it at this point. This <laughs> is like the old old cronies podcast. Oh, back in my day. <laughs> back when we were young. Smithers, I mean, why I did joke, you tell me about this market crash? <laughs> <laughs> well um so i mean yeah it's like it's just basically that kind of thing and um if you see me on the way when i'm out there in the world doing whatever i'm doing and it's like the kind of the, the the title of the song was originally paralyzed and doing but it didn't seem like a very strong title and i like the paralyzed part but paralyzed and doing kind of just means um you think of paralysis as being completely still you know, unable to do anything. But what if we're paralyzed in the sense that we can walk around and eat and drink and talk and, you know, uh, have conversations with people and all this different stuff, but you're still paralyzed because you're still stuck in your ways. But I thought paralyzed for summer is kind of a more slight, I don't really like the title that much, but a slightly stronger title just because uh, it kind of touches on the lockdown thing. And nobody. I was going to ask whether that fed into it. Yeah, in some ways. I think that was just sort of when I was changing the title after I'd written the song. So from Paralyzed and Doing to Paralyzed for Summer, it just sounds a bit better and it's a bit more relevant. It's definitely got a more of a, like, um, uh, it's a stronger title will make you pay attention to it more rather than just Paralyzed and Doing. Because it's kind of like the juxtaposition of these, of this presumed really horrible thing and this presumed really nice thing. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, totally. It doesn't quite make sense if it's paralyzed and doing. Um, so I, I changed that because of that. 
Um, let me see here. So, yeah, when I'm painting this picture of, um, this is in the second verse, of this freedom I've got and I can go out and do whatever I want and have the confidence to meet anybody I like. I just go, you know, that person looks interesting. I'm going to go and talk to them. And, um, you know, it's like, I don't know what that would look like. It's kind of the, um, you've got a T-shirt with it on. Um, that cat, Schrodinger's cat, right? Wanted dead and alive, yes. <laughs> yeah, I love my, that T-shirt. My, it's one of my favourite T-shirts. <laughs> But it's like, um, well, maybe not so much that, but until I go out there, I won't know what colour the eyes are of the people I'm going to meet, if that makes any sense at all. It doesn't just sound crazy. I did but, like that line, like uh, just covering all your bases. Uh. Yeah, it's exactly. That's what it is. It's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be all this serious, heavy thing like I may be painting it, but just like, um, if this wonderful day happened walking down the street, I have a feeling that I'd say that your eyes are blue or green or auburn coloured, <laughs> you know, and... Um, Essentially, what you're doing is you're applying quantum mechanics to uh, to your own personal insecurities, and I'm all here for it. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then at the end, I've got this uh, section. Uh, I wait outside to rescue her every night. I turn and walk away. I see that I'm a lonely creature, a robot, mechanical and grey. What can I say? What can I say? Just rhymes. And there's a good line to resolve to the sea on. And ah, there's a chord for you. Well, what um, can I say is kind of nice because it's, cause it's the last line of the song. It invites the listeners to sort of draw their own conclusions and keep thinking about that just as you're about to head into the next thing. So it's it'd kind of be an interesting one to see in some sort of, maybe not like a traditional Broadway musical or anything like that, but like, some sort of story which uses music to sort of tell uh pieces of character yeah no that could be quite interesting um if i had the means and all that to do a musical um it, I, th- I can see that well, it would just fit do it quite more well. the world style like just <laughs> just have a prog disco two album opera and then <laughs> just... <laughs> oh i wish i wish one day that would be amazing i want to make a prog rock opera That'll be amazing. Oh, yeah, I just want to make something like War of the Worlds one day because that is one of my favourite albums of all time. The chances of anything coming from Mars. Oh, we're going to go off topic here, but I just, I've just i still got such a strong memory of the first time I heard that. We were coming back uh, from the Lake District uh, from holiday, me, my mum, my dad, my brother and my sister. Mm. And my dad bought that uh, in a service station on the way home to keep us entertained because both he and mum had heard it when it first came out and they loved it and mm. i remember it had this booklet of the artwork in it like miniature versions of the artwork and like all the text so you could read along as it was happening and just there's something about richard burton's voice on that recording like no, no one, one would have believed in the last years of the 19th century that human affairs would be like it's just it draws you in um it really does doesn't it sorry your song roger um no no i um yeah, I can so see how that was formative for you, and I can like, so see how that's influenced your tastes. Like cool rock guitars plus sci-fi, uh, plus the end of the fucking world. Like, <laughs> it's amazing. It is. It is, um, and it does have a very um, specific vibe to it. Um, but but yeah, I mean, we have digressed. But no, I completely completely get that, um, and I, I get think- excited. Well, I mean, you're a big fan of the old WOTW franchise. <laughs> what can I say? Um, so I think that's about it for the lyrics. Um, now, musically, uh, it was another one, and I've had this more and more recently, and I've been loving it. Um, 
where I'll just get this little line in my head. Um, if I tried to tell a joke, tell a joke, tell a joke, I was like, wow, okay, that's kind of cool. And obviously, I think that's the thing recently is my, my chords are becoming way simpler, apart from when they're not. Like, it's it's kind of like I'll use a non-diatonic chord for a, quite a specific reason at this point. Like there's that bit in the middle of the song where you've got the uh, chromatically ascending chords, which I can't help but imagine, like, the lyrics, Excusez-moi, over... <laughs> Go up. <laughs> Excuse um, me. Uh, yeah, it just jumps to a different language at that point. But I do like that opening line, just to go back to a little, because it's if I try to tell a joke, and it's because it's quite light and airy, and it's paired with like, uh, you know, it mentions the word joke, it puts you in mind of like a comedy song, and it sort of makes you sort of take the song a little less seriously up until the end where you realize, oh no, wait, this was actually a serious interpretation. Oh, this redefines everything. But it's quite a nice opening melody that thanks yeah i mean that's the, that's the thing i mean again to touch on the lyrics just a bit uh, there was something and it wasn't on purpose but when i kind of read back the song or played back the song to myself after it was done i kind of realized oh this has like a lot of different shades of like because <laughs> any song that starts with if i like to tell a joke you go oh well this is just like a really light song and then the fact that the third line is you know you could shoot me where i stand it, it takes that a different tone um but anyway um so so i got that first line i was like okay that's pretty easy to find out that's c seems to go to f on the next one and i kind of let the melody be more important to me than what the chords were which is unusual for me because usually i go oh the chords are the most important thing most important thing um and i kind of let the melody guide it now this was an unusual one for me because i actually wrote the music first and the words afterwards which um, you've if you've come been over to my school of thought, <laughs> exactly. And anyone who's been listening the past few weeks um, knows that this has been something I've been thinking about, something we've discussed a couple of times. Um, to where it's like, what's you know, quote unquote, better? And there isn't a better. There is just how you write. But I don't normally write the words afterwards, and I kind of, well, I did this time, and I, th- I think it worked out okay, apart from the paralyzed for summer part. I'm not so happy with. That's so, a strong one mm. of the strongest lines in it. Oh, you think? Yeah. Oh. It's so signature. Okay, well, oh, that that makes me feel better about it. Um, but, yeah, so it was difficult to write the... Well, it wasn't... No, it was kind of difficult to write the lyrics afterwards. But I had to make sure that I kind of got the rhythms and the syllables down uh, on the days prior to me writing the actual words down. So a lot of the chords in the verse here um, carry through to the rest of the song. This song is in C major. uses a few non-tiatonic chords, but in the verse you're basically just using c which is the one f which is the four g which is the five um and then you have this little moment where it goes uh from f to g sharp major um on when this uh, where the grass is nice and green and the sun is shining um when it goes up to sun it goes to a g sharp so that's your first non-diatonic chord of the song that's quite nice because uh that's another way of saying G sharp is A flat. So you've kind of got most of a F minor seven in there, but there's no F, so it just becomes a flat six of the root, uh, flat um, flat six chord from the root, which you could then go into the uh, flat six, flat seven uh, root if you wanted to, or you yeah, could play yeah. around with F and G a bit more. It's quite a nice thing to put in at that moment. Yeah, definitely. And there was a question there of like where to take that. Um, 
So you know you got where the grass is nice and clean and the sun is. There you, there you go. That's non-diatonic one. Shining, do do do. And from there, like you say, you could kind of like go right up back up to the sea, climbing up that Mario Cadence thing again. Um, but I, I just kind of went back up to the uh, C. Then you got B flat, A seven. So now you got some more di- non-diatonic chords. So you've gone down the Mario Cadence. Oh, I've touched on one of the chords there. Uh, on the way down. C, B flat, A flat. No, C, B flat, A7. Oh, right, sorry, I misheard. Um, and then I go up to... I was going to go up to D minor here, but I went up to D7. Uh, and then G, C. So that uh, D7, G, C is the um, paralyzed for summer part. Um, and then the second verse is exactly the same chord-wise, but at the very end, when it goes paralyzed for summer, and it goes back to that C to resolve, it does this thing which, <laughs> I don't know where it came from, um, where I go, I play all major chords, C, C-sharp, D-sharp, E, in quite quick succession. Do. I was like, oh, so okay, that's skipping the D there. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, C, C-sharp, D-sharp, E, yeah. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, three out of those four chords, everything apart from the C, is non-diatonic. And the fact that they go together and to create this very strange little dark strain of chords in the song, um, I felt was a really nice uh, juxtaposition to the you know the start of the song if I tried to tell a joke on all that. It's kind of something that if someone had been listening to the song without listening to the lyrics, it's kind of like a nice musical cue to sort of reach out and say, are you paying attention? Right, because the important bit's about to come up that recontextualizes everything. Yeah, I mean, it's, I just put it down to my musical ADHD. <laughs> I just <laughs> I get so um, bored with a certain tone of chords, and I throw throw a spanner in the in the work, so to speak. Um, but but yeah, and then at the end, uh, yeah, I mean, it's really kind of the same chords as well on the um, I I'll wait outside and rescue her every night. That part is just C. F, G, and then you got this um this part at the end, which I was quite pleased with how it came out. It's not you know world changing, but um for I see that I'm a lonely creature, a robot mechanical and gray. You go from D minor to B flat major, um and those two together I thought sounded rather unusual. Because that's interesting. Because all you're really doing effectively is moving the bass note down from uh D to B flat. None of the other notes are really changing. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, you would be doing that. I am doing that. I'm I have a done it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a genius. I'm a genius. Um, uh, do, 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 um, let me see. Oh, yeah, I suppose the other, only other musical component to this song, which I felt was um, new for me, but certainly not new for music. <laughs> um, <laughs> Are you going to um, come in one day like, I've discovered a new chord. It's called H. <laughs> it's got a yeah my new song's got an eight sharp diminished in it um oh yeah so two other things one thing and then another thing and i'm done first thing is it's got a call and response for those keen-eared listeners who heard the verses um which i thought i haven't really done very much but i thought it'd be kind of fun to do you know so it's like if i tried to tell a joke tell a joke tell a joke and have those ones kind of be a separate vocal track um, that was fun to do. And then the only other thing is, before it goes into the I Way Outside section at the very end and the tempo changes, the last chord you hear um, from the previous section is G augmented, um, which 
I've been loving recently. I've been using my my fifth augmented all the time uh, in in various different things I've been working on, and it just has. It's like because obviously, if you're playing in C major, then G is your five. G is the dominant, right? But if you make it a G augmented, which is just sharpening that D in the G chord up to a D sharp. It creates this like extra dominant chord. It's like this chord that's like I really want to go back to the C. Yeah, excuse me, I need to move back to where I'm comfortable. And if you're not gonna do this for me, then there we go. I'm sharpening my fifth. Yeah, it's like an employee at the end of the day. Like, look, I have got to go home. I'm running late. And then you know he augments it himself, and then he goes home under bash, mate. Right, that's my song done. Is Bye. That, is, that how, <laughs> is that how people on buses speak? I don't know, darling. It's been a while since I rode one. I rode one yesterday. I'm back to work now. Oh, yeah. So you are. Mm. Well, that's coincided quite well with the last week of writing, then. Yeah, literally just in time. <sighs> oh, yeah, we still got Sexy Sadie to do as well. Um, we should talk about that. Oh, at the end. At the end, yeah. Um, I really yeah, like... Mm. I really like your song this week. It's kind of, it's just show tuny enough that it's you couldn't lump it in with like standard rock, but it's not so show tuny as to be like, uh, "Hey, we're going for a song and a da-. like." It's not being overtaken by the character presented, as it were. Sure, I got that. Well, thanks. Yeah, I, I, I think it was about balance with this one. I think it was about... I, I love that style of musical songs. You know, I mean, anyone who's listened to any podcast show, we, you know that Declan and I both really like the arrangements and composition and musicals. Some, they're some of the best compositions and arrangements that you can get hold of. But at yeah, the same when, time, when it's balancing music it with is rock. Good. Yes, when it's good, it's great. But, but like you say, it's just balancing it with that other element. Um, so it's not all fluffy marshmallows and stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I suppose that's all I wanted to say about it, really. But I, I'm glad you like it. Is there a plan to produce this for a project or anything? Have you got any further thoughts for this in your head? No, that's a good question. Um, I think it's. I think I'm going to have to sit with it and see how I feel about it in a couple of weeks because I never know if I really like a song like this until some time has passed. If I do, I'll probably um include it on the next album I'm making, um, which I'm actually making at the moment. Do um, it, do it, do it. Do it, it do it. Um, so maybe, not sure, probably, probably. 60% chance, yes. So uh, tell us about it. What's it called? Uh, okay, so my song this week is called The Countdown. Um, brace yourself, this is going to be a wee bit different. <laughs> Yeah. 
to the end of my world. This is a countdown to the end of my world. This is a countdown to the end of his world. This is a countdown to the end of his world, and it goes. Bottle up that attitude, boy. Got a lot of mistakes to destroy. Listen to this elegant drive. Make it worth your time to survive. Take apart this scattershot brain. To fix this, we're gonna start again. So come out from behind those lies. There's nowhere that you need to hide. Please enjoy this final drink. This is one of your weakest links. Check a mirror while you can. We're going to build a new man. Get used to not being alone. Your heart will find its final home. Have to burn you down to ash. So we build a you that lasts. Seems harsh, but it's a price you pay for always being led astray. Once we've gone from feet to eyes. Are you ready to be somebody else? Are you ready to be somebody else? Okay, I love it. It's it's great. It's unusual. It's got a countdown in it. I noticed. Yes, um, H- hence the name. And uh, and just get yeah, very. I don't know. I, I'm lost for words, obviously, but unusual. And um, I wanted to ask one question, um, which is slightly outside of, of the songwriting bit. But what's that high pitched thing in the background? Is that a synth or a guitar? Or oh no, that's um, a heavily processed acoustic guitar. Basically, I recorded uh, myself with an acoustic, just going. And increasing intensity of that. Then what I did is I fed that through a reverb plugin. I took down the dry track to zero, the early reverb to zero, and just put the uh, reverb tail to full. And then I that sounded okay, but you could sort of still hear the guitar in there. So I just copied the effect and put it in again afterwards. And suddenly you couldn't tell where it was coming from. You had this sort of high pitched whine sort of coming through as the program was struggling i just thought yes that's awesome and that's it's a, such a cool thing and it to bounce to reverb and then bounce again until the original signal's completely lost to time and <laughs> yeah until you can no longer tell what it was totally i completely get that oh that's awesome okay well um how about the song i mean how did it begin and tell us about it it's, i love it strap in this is a bit of a weird one um basically uh, I have... I don't know where to start with this one. <laughs> I can see why. I had a bit of an idea, and I still have a bit of an idea, that I would like to do um, a EP towards the end of the year, maybe about new beginnings or the new year or, like, starting again. Right. So I thought, OK, well, I can use this time to start working on that. And I can try out one of the tracks mm-hmm. and in the past week or so i've started running which i'm now that i've done five runs out of god knows how many i'm obviously an instant expert so <laughs> i thought i would like to 
write a song about that. And I thought, okay, well, how am I going to write this without it just becoming like another acoustic happy punk song? Um, and I remember I was watching a, a video on YouTube recently. I think it's New British Canon. They've got a couple of good videos on there. There's a great one on Wuthering Heights. But there's also one on Do I Want to Know, the Arctic Monkeys song. All um, right. Which has got this fantastic rhythm to it. And the way they did that was by sort of building up the track via, like you would if you were making an R&B track. So they built up the drums first, or like the percussion, and then they were just putting things on top of it, uh, just layering it up, and then condensing that down to uh, what you would do for a four-piece rock band. Right. Unusual way to make music, that. Which I thought, okay, I'm going to try and do something similar. Um, So what my plan originally was, was to... uh, sort of check how fast I ended up running or like the speed of my footsteps when they're running which I think ended up being something like uh, around like maybe a little bit faster than that and try and then like like layer on some breathing noises to mark one, two and three and four and ah. try and write a riff around that. And I was trying that for a while, and it, nothing seemed to come of it. So then I just ended up doodling. But because I'd ended up in this quite repetitive pattern, I just ended up speeding up until I got to... on that C-sharp chord. Hmm. And then, uh, for ages, the only really bit, real bit I had was the pattern for the verse. do 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 I thought, okay, that's nice. I I don't know how to develop this, so I sort of put the vocal line where it harmonises a fifth above on it uh, for the second part of the verse. Hmm. I thought, okay, that's nice. How can I develop that? Well, I can put these chord stabs in. Uh, the chord stabs aren't that well played on the thing you've just heard uh, because I kind of forgot <laughs> one of them had to be a diminished chord. Um, but... Uh, as I was playing through with that, I was uh, thinking, okay, so it's based around this major shape. I, if I just chuck in a couple of diminished to suggest a little bit of unease or like being worn out, but then I sort of realised this, this wouldn't fit as a running song. So I thought, okay, well, maybe it can be another track for this EP project. Uh, so if it's meant to be around New Year's, maybe it can be like the countdown to New Year's Eve or something. Hmm. So... At that point, I started playing around with a C-sharp major chord and how you could run down that chord and still resolve on a C-sharp major uh, without straying too far from it. So the path I ended up taking was uh, starting on the third, uh, taking that down two semitones, then the root down two semitones, then the fifth down three semitones, and ending back on the root again. Uh, because that was just where I was fretting it, where I could take it down. And as just a bit of a experiment, I chucked in uh, 
flattening the fifth uh, on each strum of the chord. So you would have, okay. for example, C sharp major, C sharp major, flattened fifth, C sharp minor, what would effectively then be C sharp diminished, and moving that fifth back and forth every single time. And I, I, by that point, the song was up to length, and I thought, okay, right, I can do without a chorus, I can just have this sort of slow build of tension and release and everything. And then I thought, this doesn't fit for this EP project anymore. Right. So thought, but then I, I've had another idea for another project I want to do in the back of my head, which kind of goes into similar territory of what, what I've been writing a lot of recently, but your song this week, where like um, this idea that you've got different aspects to your personality and your dominant one is kind of the person you are most of the time there are better aspects to your personality but they may be hidden away by some of your more negative traits or like um tendencies you've developed mm. so i've had this idea for a project what if someone there was a service that was offered that you could pay money or do something and you end up being subjected to this process where you were the new you like hmm. a new you was developed out of the old one Right. Uh, so I thought, okay, I can bank this song for the future and have it be about this sort of transformative process. Uh, it still end up, ended up being about New Year's because this project was also kind of... Uh, had the idea of, like, well, if this person's depressed around Christmas or something, they'll um, do subject themselves to this process for the new year. So <laughs> right. That's a, as the clock strikes closer and closer to midnight, more and more of them is being like swept away until the new personality takes over. Ah, that makes a lot of sense. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah. One other thing to talk about the music is because I knew it was going to be a countdown. If I'd been a bit more clever, I would have picked 12 to count down from. Oh yeah. So that, um, but I think it works as 10 as well. Cause 12, cause it's midnight. Uh, I kind of like the 10, 9, 8, 7, 6 because you imagine like everyone counting down to New Year's Eve and this <laughs> this poor guy like <laughs> struggling in his mind like what's happening to me? Um, <laughs> so the reason it goes down as many variations of the chord as it does is because it needed to start at 10 and end at 1 Right, now that makes zero, sense uh, rather so there's quite a lot of, uh, I was going to say there's quite a lot of counting involved in this, but I mean in a musical sense too of like, okay, where can I fit in each number so that when I get to the end of the sequence, it's the end of the song, so to speak. Would, exactly, would that be, yeah. Right, okay. It's kind of the musical structure ended up being defined by uh, the plot, as it were. And huh. oddly enough, like, there's a fair few chords in the song, but they're all variations on C sharp. So, like, mm. it's kind of got this drone-like quality, which I really like as, you know, because that was sort of an accident. But, like, as the song develops, you get more and more dread coming through, particularly as more of the diminished and the ugly chords start to come in uh, as, like, the unease grows. Yes. Um, so I ended up starting writing some lyrics about it. Uh, it's really weird looking at the sheet because it's kind of... <laughs> Like where you've got the two characters, you've <laughs> the sheet kind of diverges into a entirely different rhyming structure. It's amazing. <laughs> um, 
so verse one is basically just describing my New Year's Eves that I've been on. I spend a lot of my New Year's Eves with the same group of people and there are a couple of things that end up happening every year. Uh, so like, there's always beer, there's always like a massive journey to go to my mate's house because I live near no one. Uh, you know, give into habit, it's simple, we know where we are. Like, this has become a comfortable thing to do every year, so that's why we do it. Mm. Uh, second verse is kind of slightly more about that as well, but then you're introducing the whole thing of, is it just me that considers the things he will change? So I just imagine this character is he's sitting there with his mates and everything. Like everyone else is thinking like, you know what, in the new year, I'm going to take up running. Or, you know, in the new year, I'm going to get myself a new job. Or in the new year, I'm going to move to a new city. In the new year, I'm going to change my entire, you know, <laughs> my entire being. Retire this old outlook, give it its victory lap. Uh, there's no turning back. So I like to imagine that in whatever project this ends up being this is a song that's entirely based on how good this hypothetical project will end up being you can tell that the coffee's kicked in can't you oh yeah uh, <laughs> should have one of these every week um that there would have been like a advert song where like you know this is what we can do for you, like kind of thing uh a song where this person chooses to undergo this and then this is kind of like the last gasp of the pure old persona yeah it sounds like to me listening to the song because i i you know listened a few times before we recorded um it sounds to me like it's almost like a death knell or like a swan song for for the old personality and there's a real darkness to like Right, it's all going to be positive, it's all changing and transforming, but, you know, part of that process is the old personality dying. Like, it really sounds like that. It's sort of that, and it's sort of not. I won't say any more because spoilers, but... um, Hmm. uh, But then the changeover happens in that this is a countdown to the end of my world. This is a uh, countdown to the end of his world. Which, at that point... uh, you know, the new personality is beginning to seep through. So you're becoming less and less identified with the old habits. Yeah, so, like, uh, you then start the countdown, uh, which is, like, a list of things that are going to have to change, which I was Mm. struggling to get ten, which is why the last three are kind of like, okay, let's go divert to being more sinister now. Right, Um, right. (laughs) But yeah, I like the last one. Are you ready to be somebody else? Is you're just like, did you get the point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's changing. <laughs> yeah, it's not a subtle song. This one, um, but yeah, it's tr- kind of trying to stick weird words into places as well. Like, listen to this elegant drive. You know, make it worth your time to survive. It's just like no one speaks like that, but it's sort of disorientating. Yes. Um, mm that's about as much as I can say about the lyrics um, just one thing to note about the performance of this one, I don't know how clearly it comes across but I had to do like a guide track of this one just as Declan singing uh, to sort of work out where the pitch was and work out where everything was going to sit nicely and then it's the only time I've ever had to do this for a weekly song demo I actually had to re-record each half of it separately so that you got the two characters coming through so you got oh. Here we are, back again. It's very airy, top of the throat. Like, kind of talking at the top like this a bit. Uh, I, I, I don't know what's going on. And then, like, this is a counter to the end of his world. Like, it's a bit more hammy, a bit more silly. But it's mm. also a lot, 
lower in the throat, a lot more power to it. Uh, and, like, really slurring those words towards the end of the countdown. <laughs> but, like, it's just kind of just to differentiate there are two people here. This is not one person singing. Um, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the side effect of that is that uh, I didn't redo the countdown. There are two countdowns. There's one which is like ten, nine, eight, seven, like doing that as it gets more and more uh, further in the progression. But there's mm. one of them where it's me like awkwardly trying to sing the notes correctly, and I didn't go back and redo that. So there are a few of them, like I think five, for example, like sticks out way too much because it's me going, "Where's the note? Five. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well they are just demos at this point So I think we'll be forgiven But uh, yeah, that's all I can say about that I was so worried about bringing this onto the podcast as well I just thought, is this too weird? <laughs> I think weird is weird is celebrated, isn't it? Weird is good And I mean, it's 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 all about trying new things And um, new approaches to writing And I think this ticks that box hugely um, you, you can never say it's like anything else I've written <laughs> No, no, and I, I think the the genesis of how you started the song is interesting. Um, I'm still going to write that running song one day. I'm still going to use that technique to write it, but it just didn't click in time for this week, sadly. Oh, that's fair. Sometimes the ideas take a little while to gestate, but it reminds me the running idea. Although you didn't pursue it, it reminds me of the um, the two things. One is the correct me if this is a fallacy, but we will rock you. Wasn't that done sort of like that? Uh, or, or um, to to a certain, we were rocky uh, was sort of a similar thing. It was sort of uh, came out of Brian May thinking, what could an audience do in a confined space? And all they could do is basically. Uh, mm. So, that's kind of once you've got that rhythm to build on, it's then writing out of that exercise again. So it is a similar thing. And then the other one was that Foo Fighters tune where Dave Grohl, I think it was One by One, was it? Or um, No, it was... Um, oh, it's from the second half. It's, yeah. It's enough space, that is. Which the story, yeah. in case anyone hasn't heard, was that he had this riff, he didn't know what the correct tempo would be uh, for it. So he, I think he was over in the UK at the time, Uh and he sort of goes, in America, audiences just fight each other. But over here, you guys bounce. So he ended up, when he's preparing to go on for a show, he ended up bouncing in his room to sort of try and work out the correct speed for the riff. They played it like a couple of shows later. And apparently the UK and Europe audiences bounced along to it. So uh, There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Bouncing Dave Grohl. That's a title. <laughs> Um, but uh, as for your song, and I'm, we went off topic a little bit there. I love it. It's it's really odd, <laughs> and um, <laughs> but in the best way. And I think lyrically, I think lyrically, you and I are in a similar place at the moment, but from different I, angles, of course. I've been in a similar place for a lot of this run. <laughs> well, this this whole run's been in this really strange time with not as much, you know, freedom to do what we would like to do. So, mm. um, a lot of time to reflect. That's kind of my slogan at this point. Well, kind of, time to reflect. Uh, kind of the thing I like about this song is that it's definitely working not with my own viewpoint, it's working with characters. And I'd like to do more of that. It's just being able to perform them. Right, yeah. And like if you've got multiple characters to make sure that uh you know, 
those characters can be easily distinguished, which is why I had to go quite hammy on the evil bit and quite airy and toppy on the other one so you had the, the distinction. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, because that's the thing. If you have every voice sounding the same in and in a quite a theatrical song, it's kind of difficult to differentiate, differentiate, isn't it? So I can totally see why you did that. Mm. But I'd like to do it again some point. Well, I will do it again because this is going to be for a project in the future. <laughs> ah, the old future. It's, yeah. it's, it's a long cool. time in the future, but the future. And uh, <laughs> I like how you can tell who gave the most time to their demo recording this week. <laughs> you say that, I chucked that together in about an hour. Well, I chucked mine together about 20 minutes before we had to record. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't mean to, I meant to put time aside, but, you know, I've been a busy bee. Okay, so before we go on to emails, last week we um, uh, mentioned Batman on the podcast, and I can't remember why. Um, <laughs> I can't remember why either. <laughs> <laughs> but we did. Um, and I sort of said... Oh, if you've got any questions that you'd like Roger to answer about Batman because he knows nothing. Um, oh, that's it. Yeah, because you were saying I don't I know nothing about Batman, and I know a I know a ton about Batman. Well, so, we've had, well, you said if we had three questions or more, yeah. that um, you would answer them on air. Uh, yeah. So we have had three questions. All right, it's uh, time to prove my worth, my Batman worth. Go on. These are going to be the most complicated questions that you have ever faced. I, I just want you to mentally prepare for this. Think like you're a mastermind and your specialist subject is Batman. Just oh. get in the zone, mate. Get in the zone. My knee's weak and my palms are sweaty. Mum's spaghetti. Um, so, question number one. And prepare for your intellect to be taxed. Okay. What is Batman's name? Bruce Wayne. Easy. Next. Incorrect. His name is Batman. <laughs> Bruce Wayne is the alter ego. <laughs> yeah, he's just got schizophrenia then. Uh, most superheroes have. Uh, question number two. <laughs> yep. What is Batman's quest? To protect the orphans of Gotham. There were a few too many words in there. <laughs> to protect Gotham. There we go. That's yes, the one. Yes, I knew I was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and then, lastly, mm. uh, and this is probably the most in-depth question that we could have been given. What is Batman's favourite colour? Oh, God. Okay, Batman's favourite colour. I'll tell you what his favourite colour isn't. Red, because that's what his parents spilled out when they were killed in that alley. He doesn't like green and purple, because that's the Joker. I'm just I'm just flexing all my knowledge, to be fair. He doesn't like um, uh, all the other colours either. But he does like black. Well, uh, we'll, we'll go with that, because everything he owns is black, unless it's the 60s, in which case it's grey and blue. But, yes, I will take that as an answer. So what does that prove? That proves that I am a waniac. That you know those three things about Batman. We also had uh, Ben Alda tag us in this brilliant meme of Batman singing at a microphone. And I, I will always be Batman. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know there's actually um, an episode of Justice League where Batman has to sing? Um, really? Yeah, it's it's a really good episode, actually. Uh, some evil magician turns Wonder Woman into a pig, and this person just wants to get like 
Batman to do something for her. And uh, Batman's going like, oh, no, I won't do anything for you. You're evil. It's like, Batman, you have to sing. And then, like, there's this full-on, like, time jump where, like, Wonder Woman's been turned back into a human and this evil... I can't remember what their name is. Um, But they're sat at this jazz club and they have, like, the proper band come on and do their thing and they go off. And then... And ladies and gentlemen, here in Gotham tonight, we have a special guest, Batman. And he actually sings a really sweet version of Am I Blue? It's really cool. Do you reckon we could get a tiny clip of that? It'll be on YouTube. Let's find it. I want something from you that's very precious. Something you've worked very hard to conceal. Something when gone, you can never regain. Something so shattering. Am I blue? Am I blue? Ain't these tears in my eyes telling you? Am awesome. I, <laughs> I had no idea about that. Also, um, there's yeah. actually a Batman comic from the 60s. Where, sorry, I'm going to flex my knowledge now. Um, there's a Batman comic from the 60s where he investigates the whole Paul is dead thing with the Beatles and not it's like a legally distinct version of the Beatles and it's really cool because it comes <laughs> they have the setup of Paul is dead and they come to the conclusion that Paul's the only one who's alive and it's the other three who died <laughs> <laughs> well and I mean they, and it, Paul's starting to rumour to cover up the fact of the other three dying <laughs> Well, I mean, it's familiar to me. I'm laughing just because I already know that. I was going to say that fact, too, because I know so much about Batman and all. <laughs> you know. But yeah. Well, thank you for sending those in. Yes, thank you very much. Um, I just I just appreciate the platform, really, just to be able to talk about, um, you know... Talk things about you're things passionate know. about. Yeah, yeah. Next week I'll talk about, um, you know... Space engineering and stuff, you know, because I know about that too. Send in your questions, send in your questions, send in your questions. <laughs> this could be like a regular segment where I prove I'm not an idiot. <laughs> oh, it's too late for that. Oh, no. Okay, so we've actually had an email in this week. Uh, another one from Noah Med, who uh, emailed in a couple of weeks ago. Yo, this Noah. One, yeah. Uh, this one is called The Tragedy of Darth Roger the Kitchener. Um, which, in my view, is probably the best header for an email that we've ever had. Oh, <laughs> by a country mile. <laughs> um, so, the email goes, Hey chaps, first of all, I wanted to wish Roger a happy birthday. Oh, I've been following you guys for the last couple of months, and you've been really great for me as I'm pretty new to music, and you both have such great insights. Cheers, bud. Um, mm. This leads me to my question. You guys are both clearly great guitarists, so I was first wondering where you learnt to play. Secondly, you guys have a really cool rhythm lead mix style, which I love. Godsong being a perfect example. That's from season seven of the podcast. Um, And it's even said it can keep the songs you love from dying. So I was wondering, is it possible to learn this power? And if so, what would be the best way to go about it? I'm a self-taught guitarist, but I can't find too many good resources on the subject. All the best. Stay safe. Keep up the good work. Cheers for the email, bud. That's a really nice one to read. Yeah, cheers. So, where do we start? I suppose we start with, uh, how do we both learn to play the guitar? And thanks for saying we're good. (laughs) Guitar. (laughs) 
we'll give you the money later. Exactly. Um, well, uh, seeing as I've started speaking, I suppose I'm going to go into this first. Um, I actually started learning guitar as my second instrument. I started learning piano, uh, I think, when I was 14. Um, mm-hmm. Played that for two, two and a bit years. And then I started learning guitar uh, the very last day of school at year 11. So I would have been 16. And I can remember this because uh, my because uh, it was the last day of school everyone had like shirts that people were signing and things like that i didn't have i didn't bring in a shirt for that so people were just like writing on my arms and it, there was no time between uh <laughs> there was no time between coming home and uh the guitar tutor turning up for me to wash this off so my first guitar lesson was like all of this see you later see you in the future but oh, it's, gonna... <laughs> it's all on my arms but, that's quite yeah, an it's... image so that would have been when I was 16, so that would have been like 10, 11 years ago now. Damn. Damn, damn, damn. That's well funny. I actually didn't know the um, writing on your arms thing. Um, you probably said it before, but I have an awful, awful memory. <laughs> um, as for me, I learned, I started learning guitar when I was about uh, 11, uh, going on 12. Um, he started early. Yeah, I mean, well, I, um, my, my dad and my stepdad are... Um, are both guitarists um and they taught me stuff not together you understand i mean <laughs> they live separately um but uh but yeah so um so i just kind of learned little pieces from them from time to time you know just kind of watching them and um and seeing that they were both good guitarists and and both all my you know uh, my my mom my dad my stepdad had had and have great taste in music so it's just a case of listening to these records and, you know, if you listen to a lot of rock music and stuff, like, you notice quite quickly that the guitar is the main element of these recordings. You see, I had that slightly differently. I used to listen to a lot of ABBA and Queen, so I went for the piano first. It was only a couple of years later I thought, wait, no. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> it's funny, that because um, you've gone much more in the rock direction than I have, and I've gone a bit more in the sort of, like, I don't know, like, acoustic-y type of way, you know, like that you might associate with piano. Um, yeah, well, yeah. I've, I've basically stopped playing piano except for things that I need now. So, like, uh, I got to a point where I could play most pop songs and I was happy with that, so... Yeah, I'm, I mean, just as a quick aside, I'm, I'm basically the same with piano. Um, I just... I don't actually have a, a piano right near me to play all the time like I used to. But anyway, so, yeah, I just learned from them um, and just practiced from there. Um... I think I kind of answered it, really. They they taught me some stuff, and mostly I'm self-taught. I had a few lessons, but mostly self-taught. Um, Likewise, I had, like, three or four lessons, and then I've just been teaching myself from then on. So the second part of that question is the mix of rhythm and lead. Um, have you yeah. got any thoughts before I launch into mine? Uh, yeah, sure, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, so it's a case of knowing the chords in a particular song. So I'm, I'm presuming... Uh, Noah, that you're talking about when you go to record and arrange a song in more than just a demo form, right? So, like, you put down your your chords to your verse, right? Um, And you know what they are because you wrote the song. And then it's a case of knowing what key that song is in. So if you already put down, let's say, an acoustic guitar part playing the chords, nice and simple, and then you go, okay, I want, like, a little, like, lead um, riff or rhythm or, or... or lick or something to go over this which kind of would give it that extra dimension first of all you want to know what 
key the song's in. So let's say it's in C major um, and you're playing guitar. I think my go-to personally, and there's other ways of doing this, but my go-to is to learn uh, the pentatonic scale, basically. I mean, if I'm playing in C, I will start by playing the C major pentatonic scale. Um, it's just so... The pentatonic scale is so worth learning as a guitarist. Um because it helps you write, it helps you improvise, it helps you write melodies. It's just this amazing tool. And so I'll just kind of like start playing around um, on an electric guitar, playing along to what the acoustic guitar has already recorded in its chords. And then you you kind of get to a point where you realize like, okay, if the chords in the verse are C, F, G, you realize that C contains the notes C, E, G, F contains F, A, C, etc., etc. Um, and so you go, okay, well, we know those notes will work, and those are in the C major pentatonic scale, so it's just a case of playing with it, playing with that scale, and seeing what sounds good to you, really, until you kind of stumble upon something that's similar enough to the chord progression you're working with, but different enough that it has its own identity. And then from there, you're kind of, you're kind of good to go, really. See, the way I sort of uh, viewed that question was in terms of, like, mixing lead and chords in the same performance or like uh mm. having something beyond just playing the cowboy chords which is fine like cowboy chords exist for a reason well, um yeah i i did not come to this kind of thing via the pentatonic scale i actually learned to solo over chords i only got to the pentatonic stuff later which is weird but then i learned guitar in a weird way um the way i tend to write songs is influenced more by how I learnt things when I was learning guitar which is I was often trying to learn songs that didn't have the most guitar in them or had like loads of different points and I wanted to learn everything in one track this has gone on to most projects I've been in like it's rare that I've been in two guitar bands I'm mostly in one guitar bands Mm. uh, if I'm playing guitar so if you're playing say for example something like Pimble Wizard which has two distinct guitar parts uh it's then up to me to try and work out one a way to do that on one guitar uh and sometimes you end up playing two parts at once in that example uh is the case i ended up doing it or you end up learning to play uh different parts uh switching between different parts so you may be going between core bits and then going between uh lead bits like a lot of the way I play Beatles songs is like mixing up George and John's parts uh, to sort of get the best effect. Right. Like um, that's the way I learned how to play Get Back is that I jump between the rhythm and the lead. Um, uh, that's kind of fed down a lot into how I think about putting chords together and like putting little runs in between things um, or like, coming up with riffs and then building chords on top of that. For example, uh, the song Lithograph from the Captive Audience EP that I've got out at the moment. Uh, You'll remember that when I originally presented that song, uh, I was playing that on one guitar. Um, Trying to keep one note ringing and put the melody in behind that. Uh, On the actual master recording i've actually split that into two parts like makes sense so you've got one part going and then you've got one going as opposed to trying to do them both at the same time uh Hmm. 
that's just an artifact of how I write, but it's kind of I'm always thinking about how you can split up what you're playing to give it to loads of different people in a band. Um, but the best thing to do is just try and learn as many songs as you can. Uh, like there's no resource better than the music that's been put out over the last uh, 50, 60 years by fantastic guitarists. Even yeah. if you just learn things like, uh, for example, Foxy Lady Riff by uh, uh, Jimi Hendrix, You've, you're working around a chord, but then you're also working in some movement with the... You know, it's based around one chord, but then you've also got some movement there to work from. And the more and more you learn, the more and more feeds into your own playing. And through the stuff that you end up rejecting you end up building your own style. Hmm. <laughs> well said. I think that's all I've got to say on that subject. If I can think of anything off the top of my head, I will jump in and uh, interrupt you. <laughs> Wait, well, at least you're honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, um, I think that's... Uh, I think we've both covered a few bases there. Um, hopefully that helps, Noah. Um, yeah best thing is just learn as much as you can like yeah it, guitar is not something you can sort of learn uh by academics or you can learn aspects of it by academics but you really do just learn it by doing and learn it by uh copying what's worked before and seeing what of that applies to you yeah absolutely i mean it's a long process um to and get to a point done. to get to a point where you have listened to, I don't know, Hendrix, Randy Rhodes, um, you know, Django Reinhardt, all these different varied, varied guitarists over years of listening to records. And then, like you were saying, quite, I really like what you said about um, sort of getting rid of the parts which don't really gel and just kind of like, and by doing that, creating your own style. Like, I mean, for me as a guitarist, I love mixing tiny little elements of like vaudeville uh, licks with like rock and roll 50s licks with this and that, but like changing up just enough that it sounds like me rather than, you know, Chuck Berry or whatever. Um, yeah. I think yeah. also to bear in mind is that um, you were sort of saying you were new to guitar. Uh, I've been doing this for 10 years. Roger, you've been doing this for like 15, 16 yeah, something like that. Yeah, so, like, there is a long way to go. There is a long path ahead. And, and also, the other thing is, and this might sound so there obvious... There will always but... be a long path ahead. Yes, exactly. You're always learning. I mean, when I pick up the guitar, every single time, I learn something new and exciting. And that's why music is so so interesting and so fun. It's because you don't get to a point where you go, oh, I know how to do it now. You, you, there's always, oh, wow, this new chord. Oh, wow, this new way to mix styles you know it's never ending like you could learn every single hendrix song under the sun to perfection and then someone could like say oh you play guitar okay so we're going to do a blues turnaround with a sharp and sixth and then we're going to do a double like turnaround to get back into the start okay go and you have no idea what you're doing <laughs> right yeah there's always something yeah. you need to learn definitely definitely i think we've thoroughly answered that thoroughly answered that thoroughly thoroughly good time here on the podcast um <laughs> shall, shall we need to wrap up yeah right i feel the coffee may have affected us this week oh yes so that's it for this episode of the weekly song podcast thank you very much for listening uh, oh, yes. if you want to are you church all of a sudden um oh, if, yes sorry you're sorry if you 
<laughs> if you'd like to send in an email, if you've got any thoughts or comments, if you would like to send in what you think has been your favourite song of the past uh, seven weeks of writing, if you've got a song that you've written in like seven days and would like to hear on air, uh, why not message us at weeklysongpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, uh, various other places, I'm sure. And you can do positive social interactions there. Also, Weekly Song Podcast has a Facebook, it has an Instagram, and it has a YouTube, uh, which are updated with varying frequencies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh Next week is going to be a wee bit different. It is going to be a roundup episode of the songs of the season and just sort of our thoughts on them looking back and a new challenge which we mentioned slightly earlier in the show, um, unless I edited it out, uh, where we've decided we're going to take the chords to a Beatles song and write a new melody and new words to go over the top. And the song that we have picked for this task is uh, Sexy Sadie from the White Album. Uh, so if any of us comes in uh, with Maharishi, you stupid git, um, <laughs> they should be disqualified. If you don't know why that's funny, research the White Album. It's really It's an Escher demo joke. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, I think it was changed before the Escher demos. Oh. Um, but yeah, that was the genesis of that song. Um, that, so, that'll be an interesting challenge won't it it will be an interesting challenge it's going to be so difficult not just to go sexy Sadie <laughs> yes. what you've done <laughs> I'm actually a little nervous about that one but anyway well it's going to be fun um, so that's coming next week where can they find you and your music Roger ah yes so you can find my music at rogerheathers.com which is my band camp all my other albums that I've made in the past are up there um, follow me on Instagram at rogerheathers um I'm starting to do this new thing recently where I'm just sharing little bite-sized chunks of what I'm working on, like little 30-second jobbies of just, you know, a chorus here or an arrangement of backing vocals. So, um, And that's all part of me working on this new album I'm making at the moment. Um, so do give me a follow on Instagram. And, um, and yeah, speaking of Instagram, uh, like Declan said, the Weekly Song Podcast has its own Instagram. And as a secondary option, um, as well as writing emails to the show, you can actually leave a voice memo in our DMs. And with your permission, we'll include it on the show, um, you know, if you fancy doing that. Uh, where can they find you, Declan? Uh, you can go and find me on declankitchener.bankup.com, uh, where I've got my... Uh, EP, The Captive Audience, which has been released, I think it was just shy of a month ago, um, which has got lithograph on it, like I was talking about earlier in the show. Um, what else was I going to say? Oh yes, uh, there is Declan Kitchener Music um, on Facebook, you can search for that, and on YouTube as well, where there's a couple of things up there. Uh, yeah, I nice. think that's about it for this week, isn't it? It is. I did, I did forget to say, actually, you reminded me when you talked about your release. Um, I've just put out a Beatles cover record up on uh, rogerheathers.com. Um, it features Declan, features loads of different people. It's um, a little help with my friends. So do check that out if you fancy it. It's really good. Do it. Do it. Do it. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Uh, I think that was actually also for this episode, so we shall round up. Then see you next week for uh, going back through the seven songs. Ta-ra. Cheers, everyone. Ta-ra.